When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. I am your host, Ryan Key. And I'm home. My name's Nick. Hey! I'm also a host. I have off from tour today. I'm back in my little podcast studio. My boy Finn is here. All is well in the world. Ish. Welcome. Not really. Everything kind of sucks. <laughs> welcome glad home. you're back. <laughs> and... And I am your fourth-ish guest? <laughs> No, I'm a host. Sometimes. Now that Nick is back, I'm kind of like showing up to the party like, hey, my, my VIP pass is still good, right? <laughs> yeah. Does it expire? I mean, you're welcome anytime. You're welcome anytime. Hey, yeah. hey guys, thanks. I'm Mike Forrester. Keep, we keep a seat at this table for you. That's kind of you guys. You guys are great. There's there's some sort of line about uh, having a seat on the council but not being a master. There's some <laughs> sort of line out there. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I can't remember what it is, though. We might be creating a Sith. I don't, I don't think it's possible. <laughs> if Mike's a Sith, then are we all Sith? Well, the rule of four. <laughs> Two of us could be. Do we have enough red <laughs> lightsabers to make an umbrella? <laughs> oh, boy. So we're talking about Star Wars Visions today. What, it's been almost a week since it dropped. And I've watched it through once and some little bits here and there of other episodes. Mike, you've watched all of it and then some? I've watched a couple of them a few times. Um, I think maybe we should just get it out there. Of course, if anyone is a hardcore Japanese animation fan, they're probably going to call us filthy casuals because <laughs> I watch them with English overdubs, and I know that's improper, and I know that there are people who would be like, you know what, I'm done. Thank you. They've already checked out. Um, but I would love to go back and watch them with the the proper Japanese audio with the subtitles, which... Trust me, I'm here for it. Same, I think same. we're all here for it, but me too. But for the Disney Plus defaults to the subtitles on or the, the overdubs on, right? Yeah, yeah. Did for me, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it depends on the app though, because I just started to watch it here at the studio I'm at my band's studio and it's a you know, we have like an LG smart TV that just has the apps. Yeah. And it defaulted to Japanese with no subtitles. That it was weird. Awesome. Interesting. But yeah, I mean, I'm glad it defaulted for me, you know, like I've been I've been on tour and I've watched it at like 2 a.m., you know, so I'm like, I definitely can't be up reading. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. What I'm watching at 2 a.m., I'll fall right to hell asleep. Nick, how many, you've, you've seen the whole thing and Ryan, you... Yep. Yeah, I have to be honest, everybody. Um, usually I'm I'm fine with like, you know, self-deprecating my lack of knowledge and like I don't deserve to be here because the rest of these guys are so much smarter and more invested in, in, in like how deep they, their knowledge goes. Better looking, uh, more accomplished, you know, I'm like the, taller. I'm like, the, I'm like the color commentator. I'm like the, ta- you know, every once in a while at sports ball, there's like someone you're like, why is that guy calling a game? But like <laughs> kind of has some interesting input sometimes. Yeah. Rob Riggles here. Uh, exactly. So... <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good ESPN the Ocho Cotton <laughs> quote right now, but I don't have one. But anyways, um, I have had 
man, like it came out on Wednesday and I've just been, dude, I've just been slammed with my stream and I had to go to New York to do some shows this weekend and I didn't get through them all. I apologize for my lack of dedication. I love Star Wars and I love you all. I'm, I'm here to listen Wednesday, and I'm here to learn. Wednesday drops, man. Not good for us. And I know it's hard, and, but there are two. I will say out of, out of, out of the ones that I did see, I did four and a half of them. And so I, halfway through, half, I got halfway through the whole thing. Of those, there are two that I really enjoyed. I watched very intensely and I do have cool things to say about. So I'm half knowledgeable about Star Wars Visions. So <laughs> you guys just teach me the rest. Spoilers allowed. <laughs> well, let's just talk generally right now before we get into stolen plans because this is really going to be in a lot of ways a long-ass stolen plans because there are too many things to fully cover in depth it's too much content, so we'll kind of hit some bullet points on each one and give some general thoughts, and then we'll do I Love You, I Know at the end, and do medals, because we did do a poll with patrons. So, to kick all that off, first impressions, broad brushstrokes, what did you guys think? I'll go first, because I didn't see the whole thing, so I'll get mine out of the way. Starting with episode one, The Duel, I want a full-length film trilogy <laughs> yeah. of this. I mean, it was, dude... I haven't watched a lot of anime in Same. my uh, in my life. It's just not something that I you know that I'm into per se. It's, you know, being into all things kind of nerd, I'm totally down to watch. If someone's like, "Dude, you have to watch this," I haven't really been referred or like you know recommended to watch a lot of anime in my life by by friends. Akira, yeah, right. That's like the one, right? So it's like I, I haven't had a lot Respectfully of people. So. Right, but I haven't had a lot of people in my in my group of friends or around me that are huge anime fans. So anyways, it's not a part of my life. But I would say that of the anime that I've seen in my life, the style that the duel was done in, like the kind of um, charcoal pencil drawing yeah, style. So cool. It is amazing. And I know that that, you know, what's so cool about anime, and you learn this through watching these, these episodes, is there are such distinct styles of anime that kind of pick a lane and, and work in. And so many different ones. So many different ones, for sure. But they're each so recognizable. They're like genres of music. So I, I loved the first one. Um, I also, I really, really loved the twins. I don't know if you guys did, but there, there was like such cool alternate reality, original trilogy, Luke and Leia stuff going on in there. That yeah, just, yeah. You know, so I, I loved that. So I'm, I guess to keep mine short, my, my first impression was that just those two really hit hard for me and, and I, I enjoyed the shit out of them. I've definitely been being on tour. I've had a little bit of a, before Visions came out, I had a little bit of an anime like Awakening. Uh, I was recommended by somebody to uh, watch Demon Slayer, which is on Netflix. So that really was the first time I ever like watched anime and paid attention and got invested in uh, an anime series. And uh, it's been awesome. That led me to really notice how much anime is out in the world right now in America, in American malls, because we have a lot of days off on tour and damned if I'm not walking into Hot Topic or <laughs> Box Lunch or any one of those stores, even Uniqlo at this point. I bought a Demon Slayer shirt like at Uniqlo. So it's absolutely massive with, I'm going to assume, people who are like half our age. The first two walls in Hot Topic, the first two t-shirt walls in Hot Topic, like probably a hundred shirts are all anime. Like the first ones when you walk into Hot Topic. So just to put that on the radar of people who are kind of like us, where we're not 
well versed in it. It's absolutely massive and it just seems like it's growing in in America. But that being said, I mean, overall brushstrokes for for the, you know, the nine episodes there. I liked some of them more than others for sure, but it kind of just was like a, a cool thing for me to take something that's not like non-Star Wars canon and just appreciate storytelling that's like in some cases slightly tinged with star wars you know like a couple of soundscape things oh there's a lightsaber some of the music was star wars so it just knowing that it had no effect on the the galaxy as a whole was almost relaxing and i was just able to enjoy high points which to me wound up being like yes the first one the duel was definitely amazing i thought the twins was great i mean the ninth jedi i think i would love to see like a full version of that you know like a full movie of that one but oddly enough the one that surprised me the most i was like why do i like this one the most was the second one the musical one tattooing rhapsody i don't know why (laughs) like because i feel like that's the most off the wall one but like I don't know. It's like a Bill and Ted kind of thing, you know, like a <laughs> mm-hmm. unite the universe with music kind of thing. And it's pop punk and it's Star Wars. Like it has familiar characters. I'm like, this one kind of got the the biggest like surprise reaction out of me. Adam, how do you feel about that one? <laughs> I'm weird about depictions of music in TV or movies. I'm really, yep. really weird about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I get secondhand embarrassment a lot if I see some, especially like, <laughs> you know, where there's like a white person trying to rap in like a sitcom or yeah. something. I guess. So I have to like cover my eyes, you know? Yeah. So that one was actually pretty weird for me to watch. It is, it's weird. It's fully weird. Like not going to deny that. But I guess my point is like, that was the one that I, I remember hearing when that like, uh, you know, like little featurette came out. And someone was like, yeah, we're going to do like a Star Wars musical one. And I was just like, that can't be good. So I guess my my expectations were like rock bottom. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I like it. Yeah. It's fun. It's just fun. I think this was a really cool opportunity for Star Wars to give back to where it borrowed so much of its original philosophies of both cinematography, but also storytelling. I think to Nick's point, anime is... I think for people to look at really how wide these studios are apart and imagine if this was the American version of this, this would be like SpongeBob, Family Guy, <laughs> The Simpsons, yeah. all making a Star Wars. You know, that, That's how far apart some of the studios are in terms of, sure, they make anime, quote unquote, but they're known for styles, they're known for storytelling, they're known for pacing. Um, and so it was really cool, I think, to have all of the studios be a part of this project, especially because Star Wars is such a global phenomenon. And for people to watch through the eyes of... I want to say in many ways, like borrowed culture of the original samurai style. You know, I, I, I compare obviously Westerns to where Mandalorian drew a lot of stuff from, but I mean, that scene of the last Jedi, that is straight out of, that is an anime. You know what I mean? That is a Mm -hmm. a Kurosawa film. So I think it was a very conceptually, a very cool project. Uh, Not all of the, are we calling them series? Are we calling them episodes? Episodes? Um, Films? Yeah, sure. Yeah. They didn't all hit for me, and it was a little. I, 
Nick, I'm with you on Tatooine Rhapsody in just the fact that I liked it, that it wasn't solely based in everybody has a lightsaber. That was my only probably gripe is that it was very lightsaber heavy. But, I mean, I'm a huge Metal Gear Solid fan. It was like my favorite video games growing up. Loved it. Yeah, and so that felt very... Shinkawa, the original illustrator who did all of the artwork for the Metal Gear games, it felt very similar to that. I think my own anime awakening, of course, I was a big Dragon Ball Z kid in middle school, but also do you remember that amazing little anime short of Oren Ishii in Kill Bill? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she's doing the backstory of who Oren Ishii and how she came to basically amass power in the Yakuza. And it switched from live action to anime. Yeah. It was such a smart way for them to do that because it's paying homage, of course, to, well, Tarantino pretty much pays homage to everything. But Mm -hmm. um, I thought that was awesome. And I think that's, it's it's an amazing part of cinematic history of what Japanese animation has done. An influence not only for other cartoons but for cinema in general. Let me uh, let me hit you with this right now. Um, Quentin Tarantino said, "Quote: I want to have the fun of doing anime, and I love anime, but I can't do storyboards because I can't really draw, and that's what they live and die on." Yes, there you go, Adam. What about you? I loved all of it. Whether or not I specifically was into different parts, <laughs> this I, I feel a little bit like um, Owen Wilson being Hansel talking about. Sting. The music that he's created over the years, I don't really listen to it, but the fact that he's making it, I respect that. <laughs> there were like there were moments throughout where I was like, "Am I into this? That was cool. Am I into this? I don't know." I was just very like <laughs> hot and cold here and there. But at the end, seeing the whole spectrum, seeing the whole color palette that all of these different artists, all of these different filmmakers pulled from to create this larger canvas, which is Star Wars Visions. I think it's amazing. And there are a few specific episodes that I, like Ryan, just thought I want three two-hour films of this, you know? The main one being The Duel, the first episode. And then um, The Ninth Jedi, also some great stuff. There's just, there's so much creativity in this because they had no bounds and because they weren't tied down by canon. And I think it just makes it so much more fun. There's stuff that doesn't make any damn sense when you really think about it. Like we, we could have a pretty extended certain point of view section, but it doesn't really matter because they were just giving carte blanche to just interpret Star Wars however they wanted. And I can't think of anything else in the Star Wars universe where that was allowed or that was the approach or that was the plan. So I think it's phenomenal. And I think the more we watch it, the more I know, the more I watch it already, just the little bits that I've watched since I I enjoyed it much more the second time because before I had no expectations, so everything coming at me was like a curveball, like, ooh, that's different, that's weird. How do I ingest this? How do I interpret this? Now it's just all there, and I can go back and just really start to pick out the cool stuff, find the little Easter eggs, appreciate things for what they are because they're not brand new to me anymore. You know what I mean? Like for when something's sure. brand new, you just don't know how to, how to take it at first, but then you, you kind of get accustomed to it. It's almost like you know, you're eating or drinking something for the first time with a completely new flavor, and you're like, I don't know what to think of this. Yeah. <laughs> you eat it again, you're like, damn, that's one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life. I want more of that. Cue my Twitch soundboard. I don't know what that is. I've never seen that. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. think too, Adam, to your point is what was also really interesting about it is, you know, if you think of something, if we, if even if we were just to call these almost like fan inspirations, right? Because clearly the animators are fans of Star Wars and it's interesting because if you do even high quality fan films, they try to make things fit 
into on-screen Star Wars as much as as they can so that, Mm -hmm. you know, the dream, of course, is that Star Wars would pick up their ideas, right? But they really don't often take a lot of liberties. And this was crazy because they were taking so many liberties of being like— All the liberties. What, you want to put—like, what if we had two Star Destroyers that were freaking stuck together with a giant gun (laughs) in the middle? Like, let's do it, you know? And then at the same time, there were other episodes that had the ships— the style, um, they were almost like taken right out of the films. And so it was cool just to see where they express their creativity. And then there were other episodes where they're like, oh, I I love the style of this. What if we just changed it a little bit? So it was really cool to kind of catch all the details. It's like a really popular song through the ages that's been covered a thousand times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And like seeing how each artist interprets the song and brings something new to it, you know, and I think it can go both ways. Like you can either do a cover that's pretty close to the original, you know, and it's just you do, like it's a rock song. You just want to rock it out. But then there's also, you know, big hit or miss sometimes of like totally reinventing the song and, you know, taking a happy song and making it sad or taking a, a loud song and making it quiet, you know, whatever. So I, I think I would compare it to that. I think that's a really great analogy because it is. It's more than just covering a song. It's like, imagine the, uh, I just said imagine. You know the movie Yesterday, mm-hmm. where you know the Beatles didn't exist all of a sudden, but this one dude knows, he gets transported in some way into a world where, where they never existed. Great film. Dude, it's so good. And you think about what that a person like that in that situation would do. They couldn't obviously recreate it exactly as it was, but then they, they would potentially have absolute carte blanche to interpret and, and do new cool things with it because they're just they're showing it to the world to a bunch of people who haven't seen it, maybe. The bones are good. A lot of good bones. The bones of it are good. Yeah. The bones are their money, and so are the worms. Sorry, deep cut. <laughs> has nothing to do with Star Wars. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I think you should leave with Tim Robbins. Oh, yeah. Anybody? That's a great show. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right, let's move on to some details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What have you done with those plans? Star Wars Visions, all nine episodes dropped at once. This is a first for Disney+. Plus. I like it. I like it. In this scenario, I really like that it all just dropped. Agreed. Especially because some of them are like 12 minutes long. It's like yeah. waiting a week for a 12-minute episode. Yeah. That doesn't really track. No. And then the whole Star Wars universe would have overblown every single aspect of every, you know, like. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, no, let's not do that this time, guys. Yeah. Why do they make Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> Debuted September 22nd, 2021 on Disney+, Plus. obviously. Each episode has its own description. So instead of giving you the Disney Plus description right now for the whole thing, which doesn't exist, we'll go one by one. Let's do a quick kind of overview of each. You know what? We'll say some details and then we'll just chime in and just talk about it if we want. Otherwise, we'll just move on. Cool? Yep. Love it. Episode one, The Duel. A wandering stranger with a mysterious past defends a village from powerful bandits. This is the black and white, very, very Kurosawa-inspired straight up samurai episode 13 minutes done by kamikaze duga i want to say is the uh, the name of the the anime studio from what i've learned i don't know this firsthand this is 
apparently very, very similar to the plot of Yojimbo, a Kurosawa film, one of his like, you know, top few most loved. I'll just, I'll just bury the lead right now and say this, this was my favorite by far. This shit blew me yeah, away. We're, are we just going to skip? I love you. I know. And just kind of go through these. And yeah. it's just, you already said it. I'm fine with that. Basically. Cause I, I agree. I mean, there's probably a reason they led with it too, you know? Yeah. Like as it's far a held as it being episode one. Yeah. Cause it definitely was also the one I would consider like, besides the style, I just think things that happened in it were cool. It looked great. My favorite part, which I would love to see, like almost in live action, was towards the end of it where he takes his lightsaber and like ignites it, I think, and breaks out the kyber crystal of the lightsaber that's on the floor and takes out that kyber crystal. Oh, like, like stabs into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm like, oh, man, that's cool. I want to see that IRL. Which there's there's a cool concept behind that, that the lightsaber itself can't destroy the kyber crystal. Right. Yep. Like, right. Like it, it went through the hilt of the saber and I guess, you know, just just went around Mm-hmm. The crystal, the, the crystal, and like, yeah, I agree. It was just like it was epic, and yeah. I, I think the focus on kyber crystals throughout the series was pretty cool. A lot of it, yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that's a very big focus on on the energy that comes from the crystals. You know, I think part of that too is because if you think about it conceptually, the kyber journey, right? If we look at it from even the story of in canon Star Wars, Ilum and Yoda taking. Padawans to Ilum, there was a journey of self-discovery that they would have to kind of almost like the force would have to give them the kyber crystal. So we traditionally think of like, okay, you've practiced long enough. Here's your lightsaber. But the the kyber part is hilts can change, but your crystal is your crystal, right? Yeah. And I'm sure that there is probably something there that a sword can be made, a sword can be folded, but there's a process in which you have to learn and earn the right to be able to use that weapon. So Something very cool. I I completely agree. I think that there's a bigger story of why the studios really ran a main line of Kyber kind of throughout a lot of these episodes. Lucy Liu was the voice of the bandit leader in this one. That's cool. We have, I'm, dude, I'm glad if for no other reason than to kind of recognize voices throughout this, I'm glad I listened to the overdub or watched the overdub version first. Same. I knew I knew that voice, but it wasn't until mm-hmm. it was revealed that I said, oh, son of a bitch. There she is. I didn't even consider that there were like more mainstream actors and actresses involved in this. Oh, yeah. There's a bunch, man. It's awesome. That's pretty damn cool. Uh, I think, too, side note before we move on from it, if you are interested in this story particularly, Del Rey is releasing a book, a Visions book called Ronin, and Mm. it is a story of this dude. Nice. So it's safe to say this is probably Lucasfilm's favorite one also if they have a novel coming out and then they led with it I would you say know so. yeah i loved to, to me it seemed like this was taking place way into the sequel era because if you notice all the stormtroopers all the remnants there's pretty much representation of every era first order. there's a first order helmet there's definitely an, an ot mm-hmm. helmet i didn't notice that that's cool looks like there was some prequel stuff in there mm-hmm. and their blasters the different characters it just seems like they pulled from everywhere so it could be set you know in our quote, present day Star Wars that they were in or after. Who knows? It's cool. Super dope. That makes me like it more. I didn't notice that, but that's that's definitely awesome. Did you also catch the uh, little Duel of the Fates hints in the score during some of the fights? I definitely heard stuff that I, it felt similar to me for yeah. sure. Uh, there was, you know, and I'm thinking even in the in the water when they're doing the fight on the log and all that, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It felt very Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, on the for log, sure. You know, bouncing oh, yeah. around. Straight up. That was awesome. Yeah. 
So at the end, this Force user, the hero, defeats Lucy Liu's character, the bandit leader, and like we said, stabs the hilt, pulls out the kyber crystal, and puts it in his gi inside with, I don't know, half a dozen other red crystals. So he's collecting them. He, he also has a red saber. Are you thinking he's a former Sith or just a, a Force user who just carries whatever lightsaber he's acquired over the years? What do you guys think? I think he's he's former Inquisitor. That's my vibe. Oh, I like that. That's cool. Because, you know, Sith, the Sith is too big, right? I mean, he's a dark side user, but, well, we don't know because this stuff isn't canon, but the idea that there's there's two, like, Sith, right, ever at any time, but there's plenty of dark side users, you know, Asajj or whoever. Yeah. So I think he's a dark side user that used to work for the, work for Palps and saw just how terrible it all was and had a change of heart. Yeah, it's tough to say because we like, especially in Visions, because a couple episodes later was it the Ninth Jedi where everyone rips out their sabers and they're all red, you know, and I want to say that like the sabers change color in that, they do. you know, depending on who's, but you can't really, because it's not canon, you can't really use that as a reference for this one because it's easy right. to say like, oh, well, because of the Ninth Jedi, this Ronin has a red saber, he's got to be a Sith, but it's This not one canon, was deliberate so. though. Yeah. This was deliberately all red crystals in his jacket, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And didn't she say something about your your saber is red? Yeah. In in the dialogue, it's even in there. So I, I think yeah, that's very deliberate. So. so I think we are to. I mean, I don't know. It's cool how you, it could be anything, but in my mind, I I thought immediately when he opened his jacket, like, oh, this dude's going around uh, undoing what he's done. Kind of kind of one of those like it's, it's some kind you know it's like old western like yeah used yeah. to be the villain now he's now he's the antihero like saving mm-hmm. the towns that he used to rip off you know so I loved that so something that was interesting looking a little bit further ahead the elder episode mm-hmm. the former Sith or whatever he's like basically calls out that he used to be Sith and that like they were they basically had kind of gone the way of the Jedi they got all clouded right he was like right. I used to be a Sith so. That's kind of a first reference of like we hear someone kind of almost leaving that. And the High Republic canonized the idea of bleeding a crystal. Yeah. So that is interesting too because then he's not really making an attempt to heal those crystals in which that's where we see a lot of the white lightsabers is from healing crystals. So it's interesting because he's keeping them red almost as kind of like a, you know, your like necklace of past Sith that you've conquered without any attempt to say, oh, no, I'm not good. I'm not a good guy. I'm just, I don't like you. I also like the idea that he can be a dark side user, but isn't necessarily evil. Mm -hmm. You know, he can be an anti-hero. He can be not necessarily, yeah, exactly. Not necessarily a good guy, but not straight up evil. And he can be full of passion and seek revenge and do all this stuff, but he's not going to come into a village and victimize a bunch of people. He is protecting this village. Mm-hmm. So I think that is some of the most interesting stuff that we've seen in Star Wars in a long time. For sure. All right, moving on. Tatooine Rhapsody, episode two. A band with big dreams must save one of their own from Jabba the Hutt and Boba Fett. There it is, Jabba the Hutt, Boba Fett, Bib Fortuna, the Mos Eisley Cantina, the Mos Espa Arena, where the Boonta Eve Classic happened. It's all, all in that space. Mm-hmm. So this is who knows when timeline wise, but it's it's right in the middle of everything we know from the eleven films that are out there. 
could have sworn I saw uh, Finger and Dan or whatever his name is, the whole band. Finger and Dan, Watching yeah. like the, the broadcast at the end. So it might be Phantom Menace era, you know, if Jabba's in Mos Espa, you know, like. Well, Boba's adult size. Oh, true, true, true. That's right. Yeah, Boba's adult size and the lead singer is uh, has clearly escaped Order 66 as a Padawan. Yeah, good point. Oh, yeah, that's what that was. That was Order 66 right at the beginning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. And then he was rescued by the, that hut and then grew up to be this yeah. band leader. Yeah, this wasn't my favorite episode because it, it's, obvi- I mean, this one's the most kind of, I don't know if it's the most because, again, full disclosure, haven't had time to watch them all yet. I have no business having a podcast about Star Wars. <laughs> You're welcome. But this one was, you know, it was for kids. It was, kid. it was like, well, what should I show? People asked me, a friend asked me the other, day, uh, the other day, what should I show my kid? He's starting to get into space stuff. You know, what's Star Wars? This would be prime candidate. But I did love the flashback element. I love the tie-in to the prequels in a, in a cool way. I was like, oh, this is freaking cool. I like the vibe here. I like how they're throwing the story back. Um, I think overall this whole series, man, just the imagination behind it all was just so, so cool. And yeah, Boba, I mean, come on. It was just, it was fun. Like cartoon Boba, let's go. Yeah. Bopping his head at the end. Everyone's yeah. just grooving. Yeah. The Jabba's tail too. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, that was, that was good. I like that. Uh, we should mention that Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays Jay, Geezer, played by Bobby Moynihan, and Boba, played by Tamara Morrison. So dope. These are these are the folks that played for the American version, like the the right, right. non-Japanese yeah. versions, right? Right. Yeah. right. It'd be amazing if they all learned Japanese. <laughs> oh, take your job seriously, right? I've been to Japan Come literally... On. Literally been to Japan 30 times. I have no idea how to say anything in <laughs> Japanese. It's really hard. I can say some stuff, but not now. I mean, I can say some stuff. I can ask for a beer. <laughs> say yeah. please and thank you. Um, Shelby Young voices uh, K344. Nice. Which is cool. She's dope. Um, she is this dope. is a shorter-ish one. This one was 12 minutes and 45 seconds. Good pace. Just this little story. Little bitty story. And it was fun. There were some elements, you know, like the... Again, I don't. I think I said this on the podcast. I don't remember. You know, this one was the one that I had the least, the lowest expectations for. So I guess it was the most surprising to me because I wound up liking it. Um, but dude, they're a band who's playing in front of like fifteen people at the beginning. Like, who hasn't been in that position? You know, yeah. like there was just so many. And then just the fact that the music was like sort of pop punky. I mean, just these kind of things I just really appreciated about it. Which pop punk band? I mean, I don't know if you came. I don't know if you came to the William Ryan Key headlining tour in Minneapolis in 2019. <laughs> but if you did, all nine of you, I, I was very grateful for all of you. <laughs> hey, I was there. Jabba was Jabba there. It was a special one. <laughs> so. Uh, let me also ask <laughs> at the end, because it kind of got dark, right? They're like, hey, man, they're going to kill our bass player. <laughs> and, and you're kind of like, oh, like, couldn't you just like get thrown in jail? They're like, no, we're going to execute him. And then he's like, come on, this could be our last show ever. And I'm like, these are some high consequences, man. Yeah, like, yeah. This is like, and, and I couldn't tell. This, like we get, if we keep playing, if we basically play the decline by no effects, they'll never be able to kill us. <laughs> but it's like, I was kind of thinking like, man, this, it ends in this way of like, is Jabba like, all right, you guys are good. You can be our new house band and watch people drop into the rancor around us. Or like what happened at the end? Yeah. Who knows? It's, it's basically like, it's like the end of pick a destiny. Yeah. You know, Bill and Ted, I would say. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, patron Patrick Merton says Tatooine Rhapsody gave me heavy Scott Pilgrim vibes, which I back that. Yeah. I back that. Episode three, the twins. 
Twins born into the dark side clash aboard a massive Star Destroyer. Two Star Destroyers at the same time. <laughs> that was so good. That was a good one. Was Not good family one. friendly, but so good. <laughs> Lawrence, man, just come over. 16 minutes and 50 seconds on this one. That double Star Destroyer, as goofy as it was, the concept of just, just like two of them completely unchanged, except for the fact that they're joined together by a big gun. Uh, as goofy as it was, I still thought it was dope. I mean, the idea is there's a, a, like a Death Star weapon. Yeah, the animation too of the like coming out of the shadows was, yeah. was yeah. everything I wanted yeah, it I to like be. I like that style. Yeah. For sure, I like the style of animation in that one. So the idea is that there's a kyber crystal in this super weapon, just like the Death Star, powered by kyber crystals, but it's routed through these twins the, the, who are clones, force-sensitive dark side clones. It's routed through them and the crystal, and that's the weapon? They're suits. Right. Power. It's kind of like uh, Pacific Rim, I think. You have to have both of them to activate the weapon, so it's kind of like GoldenEye. got to have both the keys turned at the same time. Um, but that's what I got out of it, which is why Am keeps her suit on at the end, and that's why it starts like going crazy <laughs> at yeah. the end with like exploding. I love that there was a lot of like early Macquarie costume design influence here. Like the, the one twin looks very much like that first, you know, the famous early concept painting done by Macquarie where the hero, the star killer hero has kind of the gas mask on and the, the, the pony lightsaber. And then the Darth Vader version is much more tapered, more of kind of a flange on the helmet. Rebel style. I very much got those vibes from it. That was dope. For sure. There's some, uh, there's a good quote in here. The one character says, there is no try, only do. <laughs> and of course, that's a shout out to, to the Yoda quote, do or do not, there is no try. But all I heard was there is no Dana, only Zool. Yeah. Same. Mashup. The evil twin also says to a galaxy far, far away. And then looks right in the camera and winks. No. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> yeah. um, there's kind of like a, a holdo maneuver kind of thing when they slice the Star Destroyer in half and then there's that moment of silence. Some really, just really, really cool imagery in this thing. Also some stuff that doesn't make any damn sense, but yes. really, really cool stuff. The voices, Allison Bree, Neil Patrick Harris, NPH in the building. NPH is also in the new Matrix. Look at him. Yeah. Look at him in, in our sci-fi lives. Any other thoughts about this one? I, lo I love this one. I really loved the alternate universe Luke and Leia parallel, especially at the end. It was pretty heavy handed at the end. She's my sister, you know. Dude, I, okay, this is what I was going to say. Did any of you have this experience when he said she's alive? I actually out loud in the living room, I was, I was kind of doing stuff this morning while I was watching it, but I out loud, I heard, he goes, she's alive. I said, I can feel it. And he goes, I can feel it right after. Nice. nice. I was like, I, I knew that was the dialogue that was coming. And um, I really enjoyed that sort of, like I said, alternate reality, you know, but I think we need to throw a little love to Favreau. Filoni and crew because I think they got a little nod here with like what's going on with the concept behind Grogu and cloning a force sensitive being to create like a new force sensitive mm. thing you know force in, in yeah, the world yeah. sure. pun intended and I you know they showed that quick little montage of them being born and it was like a science experiment very mm -hmm. reminiscent of the cloning facilities and stuff so um, I think there was a little bit of that of like they were created for a reason. And clearly the remnants of the empire are trying to create something with a purpose by getting their hands on Grogu and, and getting his, his DNA and all that to, to 
you know, mess with the cloning. And the, the concept that we've learned through the sequels of like clones not being able to properly manifest super force sensitive uh, DNA, you know, and midichlorian and all of that. And that's what they're trying. That's the puzzle they're trying to fix or the code they're trying to crack. And so I like the idea that they cracked it with this and they made, you know, they created twins. Also, Mortis trilogy. Like there's yeah, bro yeah. that with brother and sister here. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, you know, and he, the brother sort of being the light in this one, even though they're both dark side users or were, were created out of the dark side. I loved all of that about this one. I watched them out of order. Uh, I was just kind of reading through the descriptions because I knew that I was going to watch them all eventually. And so the pacing of this one from the duel was like slow samurai film. And then this one was like another anime Evangelion where just everything's just exploding and people are screaming at the top of their lungs. It was like seriously heavy caffeine. This was this was like drinking a nice a nice Earl Grey and then drinking <laughs> nine cans of Red Bull. So I didn't love this one as much, but I can't tell if it's just because I loved the duel so much and I should have watched Tatooine Rhapsody in between. But everything you guys have said is completely spot on. There were some cool things. Um, this one was just like so in your face anime to me, but some good concepts here. I loved it. Episode four, The Village Bride. A Jedi on the run takes the unique customs of a remote village under threat by a warlord. Dug this one. 17 minutes. Similar animation style-ish to the twins in that kind of traditional anime character face, but an entirely different type of story. This one, um, you've got a Jedi who's hiding her identity. There are um, some raiders coming to this town. They're bringing these prequel era battle droids that are reprogrammed that they're using. They've got this awesome ship that looks like a Corellian ship, really similar to the Falcon. Mike put in the notes, the Outrider from Legends. What's that ship? Uh, so that is, so Dash Rendar oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, is, yeah. So his ship kind of had the same hamburger design uh, with some, essentially the docking ports. It was, I think it was probably supposed, it was, again, it's a Corellian light freighter, but it was supposed to look like the Falcon, but it wasn't. And that's the first thing that I thought of. I was like, man, this thing looks like the Outrider. Um, nice. Definitely a vibe for sure. This Jedi has a yellow lightsaber, stops a blaster bolt in midair, Kylo Ren style. Some really cool imagery in this. The story, admittedly, I was starting to fall asleep during this one because I was trying to watch them all in a row late at night. So I missed some of the stuff here, but I don't know how I'm going to finish the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this was, to, to me, one of the ones where I'm like, this is a story in the galaxy. It doesn't feel like Star Wars. Yeah. It's just something that's happening in the galaxy of Star Wars. And there was like one or two other ones where I felt exactly the same way. And it's like, okay, cool. That's something I watched. <laughs> so what was kind of cool about this is the two people they're connected to the planet and so this is kind of like the same way that some planets are greater connected to the force dagobah kashik um and the the two people that are kind of giving themselves up they connect to the planet there's this big like energy field that goes out over them um and then basically the f that is her name uh she kind of gets called to realize that the jedi do have a role in protecting good Right. And so these raiders are kind of just representing everything that's bad. And, you know, they come and they basically take from the village. The raiders are going to come and take, I believe it's the 
father, the head of the village, and the daughter basically sacrifices herself. And that's when F, this Jedi who's traveling across the galaxy and stops on this planet, recognizes what's going on here. Uh, and she steps in. So it's got a vibe for sure. The planetary connection is cool. That's very Star Wars. Uh, but it's, it's yeah, the stopping the bolt is cool. Uh, her yellow saber is cool. There's definitely a lot of, there's a lot of homage in here for sure. F is played by Karen Fukuhara from The Boys. She's, I forgot the name of her character in The Boys, but she's the, the one whose brother was killed. Is it Kamiko? Kamiko. There you go. Yeah. She's badass. Um, Valco is Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa from The Man in the High Castle and also played Shang Tsung in the original Mortal Kombat movie, right? Yep. Cool episode. For sure. I need to watch it again when I'm not falling asleep. Episode five, The Ninth Jedi, 22 minutes runtime on this one. The daughter of a lightsaber smith is pursued by dark forces while on a dangerous mission. Everyone seems to really love this episode. This was sick. I need to rewatch it because there's, there was so much to take in. It was longer, different concepts in there that you kind of had to keep track of different characters. The idea of the saber Smith and the Margrave mm-hmm. yeah. trying to resurrect the Jedi order, right? Is that the idea or the, yep. it's pretty cool. This is most like Canon adjacent. Yeah. I think out of one of the, the most out of all, all nine. To me, it, it excited me the most out of all of them because of the overall concept. Like, I would like this to become a movie, you know? Like, yeah. this could be the begin, like the first episode of a new trilogy to me if they really wanted to go in that direction. So that, to me, was like the most exciting and why I kind of gravitated towards this one as like one of my top two or three out of the nine. They did some really interesting stuff with lightsabers conceptually in this. It seems like there's more mysticism tied to the lightsaber and to the crystal than in anything we've seen in Star Wars, where you don't just light it up and it's blue or it's green. It really depends on who wields it, their connection to it, the color, the strength, the length of the lightsaber. So the main character has this like gross bile green colored lightsaber that barely has any light (laughs) at the beginning. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's kind of short and kind of flaccid. And by the end, it becomes this like bold, legit, bright green lightsaber. Yeah. yeah. It's cool stuff. It's like deeper. It, I really got a vibe with this and, and a lot of these too, that it's, it, it's like this stuff is just happening all around the galaxy as people are discovering this power and they're all interpreting it in whatever way maybe their, their culture would allow them to, or you know what I mean? There's not sort of like a galaxy wide canon for everyone to live by or to interpret the force. They're all kind of doing it in their own way. It's almost like for Star Trek fans before first contact, you know, when a planet is just like figuring out how to become a spacefaring species, they achieve warp speed. And then it's like, Oh, Hey guys, you're in the club now, you know, right. All these different places, all these different species find a way to connect to the force. They do their own thing with it. And then it becomes part of this larger story. This seems kind of primitive and personal in that way in this episode. Uh, Another thing that I loved about it is there was like some good old fashioned double crossing. I thought that was rad. I thought the kind of like the trip out of you're like, oh, they're rebuilding the Jedi Order. And then you're worried that the Margrave is Sith because he's got that look to him. And so you're in, totally in this head case of like all these Jedi are here to be like, you, you answered the call. You answered the beacon. And then... She brings the lightsabers and everyone lights them up and she's like, oh, no, they're all red. Yeah. I'm in trouble. And yeah. 
then for them, for the Margrave to step out of that droid and they just go to town. And I love yeah. the one Jedi, I can't remember his name. It's like he was, his lightsaber was changing color, right? So like what you were saying about that it reflects the user, not so much the crystal that's inside. Because they're they're like calling him back to be like, this isn't you. And it's like lightsaber is like changing color of his mood or like yeah, his yeah. affiliation, which I think is cool. Again, patron Patrick Merton said that he saw, I'm assuming a fulcrum logo. There's an Ahsoka vibe to the cape of the Margrave, I believe. I'm looking that mm. picture up and that's pretty sick. So they're definitely watching what's going on in current Star Wars, which I think is awesome. The And then the Margrave's actual lightsaber is more like a katana. It's got the blade handle around the mm. bottom of the hilt. Yeah, yeah. The guard. That's sick. My analogy to Star Trek was a little off. It's more like because this, this seems to exist after there was post- Skywalker saga, it seems like, where everything's trying to be rebuilt and everyone's trying to figure it out in the just the remnants of what's out there. It's almost like uh, <laughs> like Planet of the Apes. Like there's all this familiar looking stuff, but everybody's totally different. And everybody's like, you know what I'm saying? There's just like a, a totally different perspective sure. when you've got, you're just mm-hmm. like trying to put stuff back together and you don't necessarily know what all the parts are. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you, everyone has a different vision for what that future should be. I'm watching it now. There is definitely a fulcrum logo on the back of his cape. Whoa. That's dope. Especially if I think there were some people that were kicking around online that this was like way far in the future after the sequel trilogy. So if Ahsoka's presence has been that felt that far out, dope. sign me up. Yeah. Episode six, T.O.B. one, a cybernetic boy who dreams of being a Jedi discovers a dangerous truth about his creator. This is Pinocchio in Star Wars. Let's just be honest, right? With lightsabers, yes. I kind of didn't appreciate that they they called him Toby One, right? They sure did. Yeah, T or T O. Yeah, Yeah. I'm not into that. Or even more, even more upsetting might be. (laughs) It sounds like the Obi One. If you say T O B One, T O B One. You know, Toby. Why are you the way that you are? Yeah, maybe, maybe like with the the King's English. You know, speaking the Kings might be like T O B One. So he he's this little robot helper who looks like uh what what's the other cartoon? He he looks like um kind of like Astro Boy a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mega Man. Mega Man, yeah, yeah. That kind of vibe. This is a very kiddie looking kind of animation style. The father or the whatever you want to call him, his creator. Yeah. Straight up looks like Santa Claus. He has no arms. Turns out he was a former Jedi. They're terraforming this planet, which I think is a cool thing. Um, but this little droid dreams of becoming a, a Jedi. It turns out that the kyber crystal of from his master's lightsaber was inside him the whole time powering him, which I think is beautiful. The whole concept of there being a droid who becomes a Jedi, a little weird. I have questions, but it's pretty <laughs> sick. There's a bunch of wall artwork in this cave or this, this uh, what do you call it? this kind of dwelling that they have. It looks like you know, cave drawings you would see from cave people, right? But it depicts pretty much all of the Star Wars stories. You can go in there and freeze frame. You see Obi-Wan versus Grievous. You see the Battle of Hoth with the ties and the X-Wings and the walkers and everything. There's a Wampa there. There's one that looks like the original Star Wars poster with, you know, Luke with his lightsaber up and then Leia at his feet, you know, very old school. Stormtroopers, there might be an Ahsoka in there. There's uh, someone with two lightsabers and kind of horns a little bit fighting two different people. It's just a lot. And uh, it's cool. Ooh, what if Disney put an Easter egg in there that we should go back and examine that? You think they did? Oh, oh for the upcoming? Yes. 
<laughs> yeah. That could be sick. Um, I was getting heavy in, in one of the walls particularly. I was getting the the mortis, the kind of world between worlds. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. The ancient I, – I got heavy vibes from that um, with the ancient Jedi text kind of done around the outside with the connector dots. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. Very similar. Some cool throwback quotes in here. The master says, adventure, excitement. I'm afraid that being a Jedi is not as glamorous as in your dreams. So a version of Yoda, I'm one with the force. The force is with me. Mm-hmm. It's one of the last things he says before he ends up, you know, becoming a corpse. Um, there's also... Oh, this one's for Ryan. The voice for uh, Professor Mitaka is voiced by Kyle Chandler. I, dude, I, remember I said something about that earlier on in the show when we were talking about leaks and stuff about this. I was like, what is Kyle Chandler going to do in Star Wars anime? But yeah, Coach T for life. Clear eyes, full there hearts, can't lose. There you go. Oh, that guy. I see his face now. Yeah, dude, he's a legend. Tight. He was also in Godzilla and... First two seasons of Bloodline on, on Netflix, some of the best television ever made, and then a straight Game of Thrones ball drop. With director Krennic. Mm-hmm. But Kyle Chandler rules, moving on. There is, lastly on this one, there is a pretty cool parallel to Luke to Luke's family dying, his home being destroyed, and then going off into the galaxy to do things as this little robot boy's father, creator, is killed. A lot of the droids there in his home are killed, but he goes on to continue the work of his master and terraform this planet, and he becomes a Jedi and all good things. Episode 7, The Elder. I loved this one. A Jedi and his Padawan pursue a dark and powerful presence. Ryan, did you get time to watch this? I did not. I'm sorry. I'm just hanging over here listening to you guys and all your wisdom. You'll love this one. This one is awesome. 15 minutes and 47 seconds runtime. This fits very well into canon. This could very well just be any master and any Padawan doing stuff out in the Star Wars universe. You could plop this right in there in any show and it'd be like, oh, yeah, that fits. I can see that. They're traveling to the outer rim. The master feels a disturbance. Turns out to be a Sith, who is the Elder, as the title suggests. And they battle this dude. They end up defeating him. It's, it's a short thing, but the lesson is there's sort of like a beginning, middle, and end to life. The Padawan represents the beginning. He's growing in his power. The master is kind of at the peak, but on the tail end of his kind of prime. And then the elder, who was once more powerful than the two of them combined, is what they suggest. He ends up being defeated only because he's past his prime. His time has come, basically. And that ends up being the lesson that the master teaches to the Padawan. Because the Padawan's all just full of energy, like, we're going to see some action out here? We're going to, yeah. we're talking lightsaber battles? He's fully in that mode. I like the Padawan's little, uh, you know, because he's younger when they get to their location and he kind of is like connecting with the little kids and doing like his little winking thing and all that type yeah, of yeah. stuff. That was, that was kind of cute. I love when they showed when they're like, you know, he, he might be Sith. And, you know, the Padawan's like, all right, I'll take the mountains. You check the village. And... <laughs> And Tajin's like, uh, is it, you're taking the mountains because you think you're going to find him, right? And he's like, well, yeah, of course. And then they're not sure if he's a Sith yet. They know that he's bad. And then when they show his ship, you're like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Pretty safe to assume at this point. It's just all black, like super murdered out with like red trim on it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say he's probably a Sith. It's amazing to think about this little bitty old decrepit dude flying that ship. You know, like a hundred-year-old dude with a Ferrari, Testarossa. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just ripping through the galaxy. Yeah. It's great. There's also a super, super, super dope lightsaber moment. And I want to see 
maybe it'll be high Republic era. They have to start doing stuff like this where you deactivate a lightsaber to break blade against blade, you know, to break that and make a move. So the elders hitting him with force lightning, he's blocking him with the lightsaber elder gets distracted by the Padawan. The dude deactivates his lightsaber, parries, reactivates it straight through his chest. Yep. And it's so, so sick. Very awesome. So well done. It was a Arya Stark moment, maybe, where she gets caught up, drops the blade. Uh, well, Adam, this is from a show. Adam called, doesn't like dragons. This <laughs> okay. is from a show called Game of Thrones. Apparently it was popular. I've heard of it. Many moons ago. And she basically goes up, gets blocked, and she drops this small little knife through their arms, and then she stabs the dude in the stomach. It's like, nice. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a move right there. Which she learned from uh, her dancing instructor, if you remember. Not today. Not today, Satan. Also got to call out Tajan Crosser. The Jedi is played by David Harbour. Ah, uh, yeah. As we're getting our excitement for Stranger Things Season 4 coming back out. And also, if you were a fan of Black Widow, uh, David Harbour is the man. And I, I could tell his voice immediately. Like, as soon as he started talking, I was like, oh, man, that's cool. They got David Harbour to do that. And The Elder was played by James Hong, most famously, in my opinion, for Big Trouble in Little China. Yes. Nice. I did not know Chinese that. Chinese girls don't have green eyes. <laughs> Episode 8, Lop and Ocho. 19 and a half minute runtime on this, basically 20. Planet Tau, Empire occupying this planet, seems to be set in early Imperial days, kind of right when Bad Batch is happening. If we want to try to nail this down to an era, Lop is the adopted sister, this like humanoid rabbit looking kind of character, mm-hmm. <laughs> adopted by this human dad and daughter. Rumor has it, It's speculated that this rabbit humanoid is a throwback to an old character from like a 1978 series of Star Wars comics. Jackson. Jackson. Eight Against the World is the issue that I found with the character on the cover. Supposedly, Lucas hated this so much, hated that there was like this rabbit in a like an X-Wing pilot suit. I mean, like tall green ears. Like that's how old Jackson is. Jackson's not newer. I I have. I'm looking around for the issue that he premieres in. I I have it, and it was like fully at this point. You must have thought Star Wars had officially jumped (laughs) the shark. Yeah, (laughs) because he he has like a red. He has like a red X-wing pilot with like the white vest and full on like. Bugs Bunny, yeah, just a green version of Bugs Bunny. It's hilarious. I was not aware of him until they released a black series, and then I was like, oh, weird. I had no clue it goes back to 1978. Yeah, this is from the original line of of Marvel, yeah. Wow. (laughs) It's it's bad, Lucas was so bummed that he was like, yo, from here on out, I have to approve every new character from Marvel. (laughs) Yes, by necessity. This character is much less straight-up Bugs Bunny. Mm -hmm. I saw some kind of furry mammal, but I wasn't like, oh, rabbit. But kind of that furry face, ears down. It's cool. Didn't bug me at all. Uh, there's some really cool kind of um, Kylo Ren maybe vibes here with the sister, the actual biological daughter, turning to the dark side. She actually becomes an Imperial officer. She is really saying like, hey, the Empire's here on our crappy little planet. Let's take advantage of this. She fully buys in and the dad doesn't want that. And then the dad ends up handing down the family lightsaber to lop the adopted sister. And then there's a conflict. It's just really dope. That family conflict. I loved it. Thoughts. Uh, definitely dug this episode concept for sure. Uh, it's a little weird to me. Uh, the thing that kind of felt jarring was like, it almost seemed like lop was, I know that they were kind of playing up the whole fact that like she's hungry, but, but it just kind of seemed like 
their family like found her and was like, you're ours now. It, it just felt very yeah, like they like she was a slave and then, yeah. Yeah. They kind of like took her and I know that like it was, you know, ceremonial, like cut off the brace and all that. But it was just, I was kind of like, oh, okay, I guess we're just going to like kind of abduct this street kid here. Like, hey, I found a free kid over here. <laughs> <laughs> why, why didn't you guys just picking up these kids? Yeah. I thought, I thought it was, it was pretty cool. I love the lightsaber. I love the etchings, the inscription on the blade. I love that. Yeah. This Blade to me felt probably the most samurai swordy, I think, of all of them. But definitely one really cool thing that I loved about this episode before I forget is in the old Republic Jedi, and I don't know if you've seen it, but it looks very similar to the Jedi, the star beam with the blade and the wings on the side. Mm-hmm. They when he takes out the box of the either it's up on the wall or wherever he was telling the story, the old Republic Jedi logo has kind of this like little hook on the end of it. I don't know if you've seen this before. Uh, yeah, it's like and they, it's like a bird's beak kind of thing. Yes, and so they showed it as a swan in this episode, as like that was what that was. And yeah, I yeah. don't know if I, I'm assuming that they were maybe. May, I don't know if Lucasfilm was like, oh, we've never considered it, blah blah blah. But I was like, that was cool because that was a cool little transition. I, I appreciate logos and details, of course. So that I thought that was a really nice little nod and a cool piece. Yeah, the Old Republic one is very swan-like, but this is like, the one in this is straight up a swan, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's cool. Your band should release an album with a swan on it. That's a great idea. Bet you never thought of that. I guarantee at that point when we were making that logo, I had that pulled up and referenced it at some point. I looked at hundreds of different bird logos and stuff like that. Moving on to the final episode, episode nine, Akakiri, which in Japanese means red fog. 12 minutes and 59 seconds runtime on this one. There's a Jedi who's having a vision of the future. This Jedi is in love with a princess who apparently doesn't love him back. And the idea is that his vision is basically clouded because he's unbalanced because he's, he's got all, this, all these emotions and all this kind of stuff. And in the end, he ends up killing this princess. The vision and what's happening in, in real life kind of come together and he realizes, oh, he's been seeing this dark potential future for himself the entire time and as he's clouded himself he he brings it to fruition he manifests this terrible potential future and then ends up turning to the dark side to bring her back and the whole thing ends on a really dark note but it's really badass for them to end on this note i was very surprised on this i was like yeah oh okay like the duel kind of set off like this like awesome tone of like, dude, the Jedi and, and swordplay and all that. I'm like, this is sweet. And this one just kind of ended like, oh yeah, he's a Sith now and no one's coming to save you. I was like, this is dark, man. Like yeah. <laughs> they brought her back and there was kind of like the, you know, life for a life in a way. Yeah. And she's like, what did you do? What did you do? You know? Right. Right. So I was like, damn, that was a hell of a way to end the the whole thing. I didn't love the animation as much in this one, mm-hmm. but in general, the concept is dark. I loved the weight of the story, I think too, because you're already kind of being like, well, Jedi aren't supposed to have attachments. This guy's clearly going through something. He seems like, you know, he's got this inner turmoil that clearly we've seen has already infected Jedi before. Right. Uh, so this was definitely a, maybe an omen, I guess. It's mm-hmm. like, I feel like these themes that have gone on throughout the show are like, yeah, the Jedi aren't all that they, you think they are. And I think mm. maybe that's more of a philosophical approach to it too. Yeah. I mean, when, when it comes to that sort of things, I do think that it 
there were more stories about Sith, you know, and Dark Side. I mean, in general, it's just like if there's all powerful good guys, there's just no story. So I feel like the more interesting stuff always lies with Dark Side and Sith and people turning and all that type of stuff. Agreed. A couple little tidbits. I really thought the the peasants in this. There were a couple peasants that were kind of with them uh, on their journey to meet the ant, I think, right? Yeah, they're guides. Yeah, yeah. They were super Kurosawa-inspired to me, or at least, you know, from that that general kind of archetype that Japanese filmmakers ha- have used. It really reminded me of the two from The Hidden Fortress who inspired R2 and 3PO. So I thought that was tight. Some voices in this one. The voices are great. This one I recognized for sure. Subaki is played by Henry Goulding, who probably is known for Crazy Rich Asians and also the most recent Snake Eyes. And Misa is played by Jamie Chung. Love Jamie Chung. She, I want to say that maybe her role that a lot of people would recognize her from is, I would say maybe Sucker Punch from Zack Snyder. Um, and then Sen- Senshu is by George Takei. Hey! hey! Which I think is awesome. That's the one I, I noticed. I was like, oh. That's unmistakable. That's George Takai. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's the best. Very cool. All right. Let's get into a really quick certain point of view. A certain point of view? Many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. All right. This one's dumb and we've already addressed it, but people are saying this is too heavy handed with the Japanese style. Mm. What? These are Japanese anime studios. Everything about Star Wars in the beginning was inspired by Japanese everything. This is an absurd take. Wasn't a surprise when they announced Star Wars Visions. It was all about nine anime or eight (laughs) anime studios. Yeah, what? (laughs) Let me just go off for a second. I mean, this is America 2021, so I guess I can't say that I'm actually surprised. If if you're not in America and you're listening to this podcast, of course, thank you. But um, we're crazy. We're insane. Um, more so in the amount of time that it would take for you. And I think we're referring to this like in, now infamous tweet of this complete dolt that like wrote this tweet that was like, I can't believe it's so influenced by J- too much Japanese anime. Right. Like just missed everything. Like, how did you miss everything about this project? <laughs> I'm like, in the amount of time that you wrote the dumbest tweet of your life, you could have just Googled what Star Wars Visions was and saved yourself a week of public ridicule. I'm just like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Like, what? And, and to put that out yeah. there as like, I, I'm not going to research anything. I'm literally going to share my opinion on the internet. I'm like, props to that idiot. Good for you, man. Like, go out there with that confidence. I need that confidence, to be honest. I need that confidence <laughs> moving forward. If I could be that much of an idiot publicly, mm, I'm going to channel that maybe. I would almost say it's not a confidence and it's a, I don't even know if it's a willful ignorance at this point. I don't know that people on the, on the internet, I would say a large portion of people on the internet don't know that they are being absolutely stupid. They don't know. No, they don't. They think that the internet is their, like, megaphone to, like, sound off on whenever they don't like things. It's like, hey, what about when you do like things? Do you say anything or you don't? (laughs) Most of the time, they don't say anything. So I'm like, that's why the internet is just a negative echo chamber because its default setting is, what can I complain about? And then in a weird way, they're walking around the world with like shitty rose colored glasses on being like, oh, this sucks. Let me go on Twitter and say it sucks. Yeah. You know, it's like this is not good for humanity. 
dumb. All right. Uh, secondly, people, for some reason, are not okay with the idea of this not being canon. Hmm. Like, why? Why would you care? I think the whole concept of, of being upset about this not being canon is just classic, finding something to be angry about. Like, this is such a cool artistic venture and project for Lucasfilm and the artists and writers that got to do it. Can you imagine, you know, put yourself in their shoes and stop, stop thinking that you control this creative intellectual property because you don't. You're here to consume it. You know, until you have a job at Lucasfilm, you're consuming Star Wars. Yep. Imagine being someone who works in, in that field and the, the direction you get is only, hey, we've hired your studio. Holy shit moment. You have total creative freedom to write an original Star Wars story because it's not canon. You can do whatever you want. You can make it as heavy handed Japanese or not. Whatever you want to do, you can do it. How freaking cool is that? So I stand with the artists and writers that got to do this, and I think it's ridiculous to have any issue whatsoever about these 12-minute anime snippets not feeding into your canon porn. Get over it. Hear, hear. Case closed. Let me guess. You also didn't like Rey in the sequels. Shocker. (laughs) (laughs) She is not a Skywalker. (laughs) Here's one that I'm legitimately confused about. And maybe one of you guys have, have an explanation or some way to, to make this make sense for me. It doesn't. In episode three, the twins, this battle out in space, they're not wearing helmets. They're just flying <laughs> yeah. around space. And then there's a protocol droid who rescues one of them, right? And it has a suit on. Who's wearing a helmet. <laughs> yeah. The droid has a helmet and a space suit. The yeah. one explanation for that that makes sense, uh, somebody mentioned it online, is that in order to speak in space, for there to be sound, you have to have some kind of air to push the air and make the sound. That's why the helmet was there because the droid speaks. But still, I mean, it's not canon, so whatever, but is the idea that if you're that powerful in the force that you can just cruise out in space and not have to breathe? Is that the idea? I guess there's some sort of precedent for that with Leia in The Last Jedi, but this seems like just blatantly, who gives a shit? They're going to breathe in space. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like the whole battle, it's like an extended scene, so... Yeah. But they were screaming at each other over space and yeah. X Wings. They were the dude was surfing an X Wing yeah. with his lightsaber. So I all in all, I would just say, uh, no, none of this makes sense. Just go with it. Hey dude, this is gonna look cool. And I'm fine with that in this case because it's not canon. From a certain point of view, who gives a shit? <laughs> Lastly, and I mentioned this a little bit, episode six, T O B one. It really sounds like it when you say it. Toby one. A robot Jedi? I mean, is the idea that the kyber crystal imbues whatever whatever it powers, imbues it with the force? I mean, is it Pinocchio in that sense? Like, by discovering this robot boy is powered by the kyber crystal, he becomes a real boy? Is that what's actually happening? Yeah, I'm, I'm going with that, just because there's a precedent for a story out there, like a story template of Pinocchio. I mean, I'm yeah. kind of leaning in that direction. That that's, that's more so what it is. I can be okay with that. Oh, I'm a real Jedi. (laughs) Well done. Watch my lightsaber grow. (laughs) (laughs) All I can picture is, uh, what's his name from Family Guy? The the old man. Yeah. (laughs) Come get your sweet ass over here. (laughs) I used that gif on the rag. Oh, that's a good one. All right, let's do I Love You, I Know really quickly, and then we'll uh, read from the patrons, and we'll wrap it up. I know. 
favorite episode. We're not doing favorite scenes. We're not doing favorite quotes. We're just going to keep it simple. We pulled the patrons on their favorite episode. But before we say that, we, I mean, we already said it. Everybody knows mine. I think we know Ryan's. I'll just say it right now. Mine is episode one, the duel. Mike, how about you? Same. I think that episode was just very strong. I was very fond of the illustration style for personal reasons. I, I can understand why Star Wars went forward with developing a novel around this story uh, because it's just interesting as hell. It was awesome. I definitely wanted more rather than the other ones where I was like, oh, that's a cool story. I love that. Even more than The Ninth Jedi, I think, which I know got a ton of fan love. Very interesting, very cool. But yeah, The Duel, man, that was Star Wars to me, despite the medium. Yeah, I mean, The Duel is the best one. And like I said, without beating a dead horse, I think Tattooing Rhapsody was my most surprising one that kind of elicited a, a sense of joy. But The Duel was for sure the best one. The patrons had some good stuff to say. Kevin Wheeler, Kevin Weiler. I'm sorry, Kevin, if I'm mispronouncing your last name. So many good episodes. My favorites align with most, The Duel and The Ninth Jedi. But I have to vote for Lop and Ocho. Nice. Because even though the lightsaber did come into it, most of the episode was at the root of what Star Wars is. The oppression of an empire and good people being taken in. And we know the rest. Sarah Crow said, loved The Ninth Jedi. Would watch a whole show of that. Same. Julia said, torn between the twins and the ninth Jedi, but I voted for the twins. The winner of the poll with 60% of the vote didn't expect it to be this big of a win. The ninth Jedi episode five. Hmm. I mean, it is good. It is good. And I think to me, it's all about the potential. Yeah. Like what it could be if they decided to ever make it a trilogy or a series or something. I think there's a lot of potential there. And that turn, the red lightsaber reveal of yeah. the whole room full of Sith was like... That was sweet. It's a cartoon, but I had I had a moment where I could imagine myself in that scary of a situation and just shitting my pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Second place with 20% of the vote, The Duel, our pick. Makes sense. It's a good one. It's real good. Any final thoughts other than, uh, hey, this is great? I'd be into like a season two. Okay, so here's what popped into my head before Kathleen Kennedy said anything about what Star Wars Visions was. Once she said it was anime, I was like, you know what I would be so into is anime style. Like get all these studios to do different styles of famous canon Star Wars stuff. You know, like... That, honestly, would be blowing people's minds right now if there was an anime duel on Mustafar, you know, yeah. like, or an anime Vader Ahsoka from Rebels, you know, even that's already animated. I mean, I, I just, to me, there's room for that kind of quote unquote vision, you know, where it's like, get someone to stylistically recreate something kind of like galaxies of adventures you know there's those kind of like one or two minute little clips i think there's room for that so i think the idea of studios interpreting things a certain way i i definitely have time for that that being said i think they did did a good job with this i think some of them hit more than others and uh, i'd be down for more for sure i agree and the hard part about it is like, was this like kind of a content drop? Did they know that they were going to have this big gap between Bad Batch into Book of Boba Fett? And I know the Lego stuff is sprinkled in there too, but I thought this was a really cool way, as I said at the top of the hour, for Star Wars to 
I think, give back to where so many inspirations were pulled from. I, th- I see that as a full circle thing. I think it's really cool. It definitely draws in some different crowds. It definitely makes people feel differently about Star Wars. But I think it all in all just celebrates how good storytelling is and the fact that any sword could be made better if it's powered by a kyber crystal. <laughs> fact. Hard fact. Fact. All right, Ryan Key, let's wrap it up with a quote of the week. Okay, this is from an article, so it's not like some memorable, you know, quote that like stands up on a on a pillar of quotes. Like, yes, I'm keeping that with me, but I'm quoting a writer, so it's a quote of the week. Ali Barter, writing for Forbes back in 2015. The article is titled Understanding the Japanese Influences Behind Star Wars. And I think this is really cool. Here we are with an anime anthology. He was talking about um, George Lucas and Kurosawa, you know, films like The Hidden Fortress and how, how influential those were on Lucas. He goes on to say, quote, however, the influences go far deeper than that. For instance, the term Jidageki, spelled J-I-D-A-I-G-E-K-I phonetically in English. So I don't know if I said that right. It might be Jidageki. Either way, that's how it's spelled, is Japanese for period drama. Films like The Hidden Fortress and other aspects of Kurosawa's oeuvre were often period pieces, featuring the trials and tribulations of samurai and peasants caught in between petulant warlords. The word itself also gave birth to the Jedi, if you think about it, Jedageki. And it's no surprise that they too borrowed many elements from the samurai as well, from their clothes to the fact that they wielded swords and broadly acted in similar peacekeeping manner across the galaxy. Not to mention that the spiritualistic elements of the Force have heavy leanings towards the teachings within the Bushido. Even the Sith seem to have been based on the Ronin, samurai without masters that had a more self-serving attitude. End quote. There it is. Pretty cool stuff. Check out the article. It's really, it's really cool. It's a Forbes article, again, called Understanding the Japanese Influences Behind Star Wars. We'll throw that in the show notes. Hey, man, did you know that like half the listeners each week of this podcast are not subscribed? Still? What? Yep, it's weird. It's weird, guys. But you can change that if you're a listener who happens to be one of those people. You can press subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Just do it. It helps the podcast, honestly, to just be subscribed. And it helps you to know when there's a new episode. It just pops up. If you like this at all, hit that thing. We appreciate it. If you would like to support this podcast and hang out and hear this all real time, like these folks are doing right now, you can go to patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod and become a Jedi Council tier member. You can also become a Jedi tier member. You can also become a citizen tier member and get access to the Discord, get uh, exclusive merch, get exclusive content, participate in polls, all of this good stuff patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod. If you want to follow the podcast on social media, we're at thankthemakerpod on Instagram. We're at thankthemaker on Twitter. All of my stuff is at Adam the Skull. You can find me everywhere at William Ryan Key. All my social media is at Nick Bayside. And uh, I did skip, because I literally had no voice last week, I did skip uh, recording an episode of the Radio Radio Show, but there's a new one this week. Please listen on Spotify. And you can find me on the Thank the Maker podcast network, Mike Forster, on Armor Party, which is our sister podcast. I'm saying that from your perspective we have two podcasts on this network one of them is for general star wars and the other one is for building armor and geeking out over costumes we've got a new episode that just dropped on tuesday when you're listening to this uh and it's an awesome episode talking about 
resin printers, 3D printers, how to get better paint on your applications. It's great for, say, if there's a large convention coming up in May that's dedicated to Star Wars. I hear there is one. Uh, so start building. I, I do hear, I hear it's quite popular. So check us out over at Armor Party Show on Instagram, and you can listen to us wherever you find your podcast, and you can find me personally on the interwebs at Hondo Supply on Twitter and Instagram. Good times. Great oldies. Thankthemakermerch.com if you want merch. We've got some really good-looking shirts. If you could see me right now, you'd see that I'm wearing one. It's really nice. Got some new stuff coming, hopefully. Dudes, good hang. Patrons, thanks for being in here. Everyone, thanks for listening. And until next week, may the Force be with you. 